The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Well, good morning. Today we're going to have a different kind of show. This one addresses private investigators and security professionals directly instead of being an educational program for its for our worldwide audience. So as you're aware, I host PIs Declassified, but you may not know that I'm also the working a working private investigator as well as a legislative chair for the National Council of Investigative and Security Services. We call it NCISS. After four decades of representing private investigators and security guard companies, NCISS's primary mission is, well, still to address legislation introduced in Congress or regulations by governmental agencies, often with unintended consequences, actually, which is one of the things we want to talk about. So today, NCISS announces two new exciting programs to assist security professionals and private investigators to expand their legislative knowledge and their influence. So with me today to discuss these two important programs are three people who are intricately connected with NCISS. So three guests. Uh, Unfortunately, I announced that James Huckabee, uh, NCISS first vice president from Chicago, who's going to be with us, had an unexpected conflict and can't be with us. So we're going to have three people. Tom Shamshack from Boston. He serves as second VP. Dean Beers is from Fort Collins, Colorado, as third VP. And Keith Nelson, who's a lawyer and a lobbyist. So you're going to hear more about these three people as we proceed with the show. So first, let me introduce you to Tom Shamshack. Hi, Tom. Hi, Francie. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, welcome, Tom. Thanks for uh, taking the time today. So just some key points about Tom. He's a former police chief and a licensed private investigator. He is the program director and lead instructor for Boston University's professional investigator program, past president of the Licensed Private Detective Association of Massachusetts, and second VP for the National Investigative and Security Services. And you're going to tell us a little bit about these new programs. I am. Uh, first, let me say that uh, I've been a member of uh, NCISS since 2002. I got affiliated with uh, LPDAM in uh, 1999, shortly after I had retired and established my own business. And I quickly got involved at the state level uh, advocating on behalf of private investigators here in Massachusetts. 
and uh, my my education about uh, the awareness of uh, federal legislation uh, kicked off in 2000 at the East Coast Super Conference where I met uh, Eddie McLean. Uh, shortly thereafter, I joined NCISS and uh, got involved for seven years with the Legislative Committee and then went and became a regional director. I've served as a secretary, and now I'm the second VP. And earlier this year, our president, Bob Helis, had commissioned a study by the three vice presidents, James Huckabee, Dean Beers, and myself, to examine uh, the SOB, the, the State Association Advisory Board, component and, 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 and take a look at that and try to infuse uh, this new initiative that came along with the hiring of our new, new lobbyists. And what, what really happened here was there was a transition. Larry Sabbath had served NCISS for many years. We then, he retired, and then we then went out. And uh, Tom was just filling us in, and as soon as he can get back on, about the transition and the revitalization of the SOB, which is the State Association Advisory Board for our member associations and association leaders within the states. Uh, Bob asked us to take a look at how we could take, take advantage of what Lobbyist was beginning to offer us as our new lobbyist, uh, which specifically is the legislative advocacy hub that includes uh, the state legislation we're going to talk about a little more. And from that, uh, Bob developed SLAM, the State Legislative Awareness Monitoring. Uh, so now we have what we're calling the SOB uh, slash SLAM program. And we're, we've been working on this actually since about October. Uh, Tom, uh, James, and myself as the three VPs with our regional directors and putting this together and getting it ready to go for when it became live uh, here in April and uh, for our for our leadership. So that's... That's what we transition to. We're very excited about it because this is going to be something that uh, brings the state association members, uh, their membership, and our own individual members all in conjunction with working together because some state legislation legislation can significantly impact what happens in other states because of reciprocity and things like that. And, of course, we're always concerned about federal legislation and regulation. So now we're just combining the two. Uh, to see if we can help states out a little better because of the resources that some of them lack. And that was one thing that Tom was going to talk about. Um, hopefully he's able to get back and join <laughs> us uh, and, and explain what his initiatives are for, for Massachusetts and New England and, and places like that. Yeah, he do- kind of dropped into a hole someplace. We don't know what happened to him. But uh, let me just, a couple of things. Uh, two names were mentioned. Eddie McLean, who I just want to say is a past president of NCISS and former legislative chair. And Larry Sabbath was the lobbyist for NCISS for 20-plus years. And then um, SOB, or State Association Advisory Board, was initially... Uh, designed, and I think about 1999 or 2000, to bring in state uh, state associations to become more aware of federal legislation, and then find out about what their issues were, and find out what the issues were across the country. So I just wanted to to pull that together. Oh, absolutely! And you mentioned uh, Eddie McLean. Uh, you know, uh, gosh, he's he's a great person. Been with NCISS uh, long before when I joined in 2009, of course. But one of the things uh, Ed has said to us repeatedly 
is that the purpose of NCISS is to keep Washington out of our business so we can stay in business. And we're trying to share that uh, with with the states with this new uh, SLAM program. Well, uh, Dean, since you took over, let me just <clears throat> tell our listeners a little bit about you as well. Um, so Dean is a private investigator. He's also an expert in criminal defense homicide and civil equivocal death investigations. He is also a certified... Uh, these are big words, guys. I can only do little words. Uh, he's death certified as, <laughs> as a medic, medical legal death investigator. Perfect. And he, okay. <laughs> he's the author also of two books. And with his wife, Karen, they co-developed an online education c- course entitled Death Investigation for Private Investigators. He's former chairman of the Professional Private Investigator Association of Colorado. That's PPIAC. He's also the third VP for the National Council. So you were going to uh, d- discuss a little bit about how the state, state association leadership would dovetail into these new programs. Yes, thank you, Francie. Um, we, I started as a regional director for, for a couple regions uh, for NCISS, and one of the functions of the, of the regional directors is to uh, stay in touch with their local membership that already of NCISS as well as the state associations. And, of course, there's some recruitment and stuff like that involved. But we try to emphasize the importance of being aware of the legislative and regulatory issues that are going on federally. Um, and because, you know, the U.S. is 50 states, we divide, you know, we have to divide that up into six regions. Uh, so we have six regional directors and four at-large directors that help them out. So it's a huge job with a lot of responsibility. And, you know, you're familiar with that from your, your time and duties as well. So they monitor, well, they haven't been able to monitor state legislation as well, our regional directors. We all, we all run a business and, and uh, full-time and we have families and stuff. So it's, it became a, a pretty big burden. And also in, in some states such as Colorado, there's just not a budget to have a state lobbyist or a big legislative committee. So we count on volunteers and we found, uh, in our, in our study, the three VPs, uh, James, Tom and I, that several states, especially the smaller associations, um, really have difficulty keeping track of the legislative issues and acting on them in a timely manner, manner. So, We've been tasked and we have now tasked our regional directors with staying strongly in contact with state association leadership, uh, find both security and investigative. Uh, so there's several associations to work with. And then that, that becomes uh, part of the work where they have people within those associations help them. So we're kind of uh, using a, a, a corporate ladder type process to make sure that everybody mm-hmm. is following through with what's going on and we can keep track of um, continuity with our leadership in the states, and then of course with the with the role that NCISS plays in that. Exactly. Now um, the and the new component that we have to offer today, besides this structure, which, which is what you're calling SLAM, correct, Dean? Correct. Yes. The, the new legislative awareness monitoring. Yeah. Okay. It's say it again. Yeah, state legislative awareness or legislation awareness monitoring. Okay. And so the new component that we have um, is what we call an advocacy hub, which is on the NCISS website. 
NCISS.org, www.ncisss.org. And under the legislative link will be a state association link, which will include all state association bills identified by our lobbying group, Lobbyit, who Keith is going to be talking here in a minute, um, where this, the various states can go on that site and look at their state legislation instead of having somebody try to search it out, a volunteer a uh, state association member, volunteer trying to stay on top of legislation, we're providing that for them. And we're, we're searching it by keywords. And so currently, the link is there. Actually, it's there twice now. <laughs> it's, it's listed under state legislation, and then it's also listed under the Advocacy Hub as state legislation. And it's, it's pretty cool because it's an interactive map. You can... You can Go down the alphabetical list, but you can also click on the state and pull up the legislation for an individual state. So it's very cool. So uh, having said that, let me just introduce you to Keith Nelson. Keith is the Executive Vice President of Lobbyit. Lobbyit is a, a lobbying firm located in Washington, D.C., right by the Capitol. He's served in offices of the Legislative Affairs for two agencies, uh, where he actually managed agency-wide issue portfolios, advised the Attorney General and the Director of the National Drug Control Policy daily, and he was a primary liaison and chief negotiator between the agencies and Congress. Um, these two agencies were the U.S. Department of Justice and the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy. He was also the associate... He has great credentials, doesn't he? Uh, he associate deputy counsel at the U.S. Department of Defense. He prepared cases against suspected terrorists at Guantanamo Bay. So, Keith, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Good morning, Francie. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, how's the weather in Washington, D.C.? Do you have uh, no snow, right? No, not. it's improving. It's slowly, slowly improving. <laughs> but, uh, okay, good. It's been a rough one here, though. All right. So uh, talk to us a little bit about how you see this program working. Well, the, you know, we always have to keep an eye on the federal legislature. Um, and, uh, and they get active at various points in, in terms of data access and so forth. But really, uh, what's valuable, uh, we believe, about the advocacy hub and taking a look at or keeping track of what's happening in the states is that Private investigators, for the most part, are regulated by states. Uh, and getting all of your information on what's happening in state legislatures kind of in a centralized place uh, is, is no mean feat. Uh, you know, it's no small task. So the Advocacy Hub is designed in a way to allow NCISS members uh, to go into it, uh, click into it, and they can pick... There's an interactive map at the top of the uh, very state in the union, um, and the states that have active legislation that will impact uh, various aspects of PI practice or security service practice um, are, are highlighted. You can click into them and see the see short blurbs on the legislation itself, but with links into uh, the state legislature sites themselves, so you can get a lot more information on what the bill is, who is sponsoring it, uh, where it stands in the legislative process, and uh, and who you need to contact. Um, 
from that, you can take a look at it, and in the in the states and, and regions of the United States, the Advocacy Hub allows you, once, once we've identified issues that are important to the PIs and uh, where action is needed, um, the, we can then put scripts, uh, call scripts, talking points, uh, letter texts, email texts, uh, we can populate the advocacy, advocacy hub with that sort of information, and folks in the, in the various states can go in, NCISS members in the various states, can go in and tailor those uh, materials as necessary, and uh, then go to a click-down menu and find what the, um, find essentially the email addresses and other contact information for the appropriate officials in those state houses. Uh, and then can can weigh in with their state legislatures um, on issues that are important to them. So what you're saying, Keith, is this is an easy way if, uh, say there was an issue with a bill that we were really concerned about and we wanted to let our congressperson know about it, there'll be a, possibly a letter in this location that somebody could either uh, sign their name to it and send it off to them from the, from the advocacy hub or they could modify the letter and themselves and send it off. That kind of thing. That is correct. They can go in. They can personalize the text uh, to the extent necessary, you know, in whatever way appropriate, um, and then um, have it go. Click down. Have a menu where they can click down, find their targets, find their own um, state representatives, and also the folks uh, who are responsible for uh, new sponsor the legislation uh, on the the respective uh, committees of jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. you know, a variety of methods to identify the appropriate members in their state houses, and then they can send based on the kind of the the parameters or the the text that we've that we've set up and populated the site with. They can then send their personalized communication to those members. Perfect. Okay. Let's take a quick break, everybody. Uh, there are more details about the NCISS new programs. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress 
and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. We're just talking about a process where um, private investigators and security professionals who are members of the National Council could, uh, if there was an issue, could go to the advocacy hub and um, send or prepare a letter that's been prepared for them and send it in. And so, Keith, I just want to talk about this a little bit because, you know, often people think about, think that a letter to their congressman isn't going to do a hill of beans. What do you have to say about that? Um, that's actually really not true at all, especially at the state level. Uh, they get much less correspondence at the state level, so uh, letters and emails are, are you know, proportionally a much larger uh, voice. But even at the federal level, um, if it's, especially if it's from somebody within the state or district, then it does, then, then every letter coming in is logged, uh, and it's made sure that everything is responded to and the offices take tallies of what's coming in so that the member, if, it doesn't, if the letter doesn't reach him personally, he gets a tally of where, you know, the correspondence coming in or the emails coming in, where they stand on an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are, they are, they are important. In a, in, a, in, a, uh, in a Senate office, for instance, where I, when I started in the United States Senate, I was, my first job was answering this mail. Really? Uh, and they get yeah, they get ten thousand pieces of mail a month um, in a U.S. Senate office. The the first cut comes from you know or comes to is this from someone in the state uh, or in the district in a House office? If it's not, then it's kind of relegated to a different you know to the, the outer rings. It's it's really not responded to. Um, if it's from within the state, then I look at it and say, is this a form letter? Is this something that you know, dear member, and they just sign their name at the bottom. That is, you know, a lower priority, but if it's from the state or district, it's still accorded a fair amount of attention, and, and they pay attention to those tallies. If it's personalized, even though the core of the substance can be similar to others uh, that they're receiving, if it's personalized by somebody within the state or district, saying this is who I am, this is where I live, this is my business, and this is how it affects me, then they do pay attention to that. Uh, because that's uh, it's the primary way that folks out in states and districts communicate with their members of Congress, the legislature. So they are, this is not an exercise in futility at all. Okay, so, so it's important to, if you're a constituent, to write a letter to your particular representative. Absolutely. Okay, and, and 
Because, you know, I hear some people that will send, say, letters to representatives from all over the state, for example, and that doesn't do a whole lot of good. Well, if it's within the state, they still are going to pay attention to it, especially if it's from somewhere bordering um, their district, if it's somewhere close. Uh, but uh, it, it does do, it does have an impact. If, uh, if things are coming in from within the state, even if it's not a congressional district, it does, it still has some impact, but it's mostly, most important for Senate offices if it comes you know, from anywhere in the state and for house offices that's from the district. I think what was really important that you said, Keith, is that the positions either in opposition of support are tallied someplace and that ultimately gets to the representative. Yeah, it absolutely does. They want to know, you know that's every week at least they have meetings with their director of correspondence. What is the mail coming in? What are the numbers? What are the issues? And then they, you know, they, they divide them up by issue, and then they divide them by yay and nay. Mm-hmm. So they keep track of the way these things are coming in. Um, typically, you won't receive, uh, unless you're a constituent of the member, you won't receive any kind of personalized response. So just get a, you know, thanks for your letter concerning X. Uh, we'll keep it in mind as we move forward. Uh, if you write a thoughtful letter, um, that is, you know, if to be an appropriate letter, don't engage any foul language or anything like that, um, you can expect to get uh, some kind of thoughtful response back. Okay. All right. Good. Great. Well, th- thank you, uh, Keith. And Tom has joined us. He came back from wherever he left. <laughs> Tom, welcome back to the show. Welcome back. Yes, uh, there was a gremlin on the line, apparently. But, uh, yes, evidently so. So uh, you got broken off in mid-sentence, so lo- go ahead with what you were trying to tell us. So where was I, if you could just uh, put you, me back on the tracks? You were talking about the overview of the uh, the new programs, uh, the state associate, the state legislative program, and then we, we actually, after you left, we got into the advocacy hub. Okay, well, again, uh, I, I did hear uh, Dean uh, do uh, a bit of an overview. Uh, let me just review that, uh, again, President Bob Helis, our current president, had tasked the three vice presidents to uh, take another look at Saab and then uh, introduce our SLAM, and Dean has already you know, talked about that, uh, how could we merge them and what would be the benefits. So the three vice presidents are overseeing uh, two of the regional directors, the two of the six regional directors, and we've incorporated the at-large directors into that scheme. And what we propose to do is to, on a more decentralized basis, uh, have a better oversight of communicating uh, legislative issues and organizational issues through the three vice presidents, and this infrastructure will be in place going forward. And this will be a benefit to NCISS because people that are regional directors and at-large directors are going to be in communication on a much more regular basis with uh, the, uh, the hierarchy, if you will, the elected offices. And so that as people go through the chairs, 
they will have a, a broader uh, knowledge base of what's going on with the organization and have a better pulse on what's going on in each of the regions and right across the landscape. What I see occurring here is that the state levels will be much more empowered with uh, knowing what's going on uh, at the federal level as well as in their respective states. And we will see a better flow of communication. I think the partnership between NCISS and the state associations will will really coalesce around this new legislative initiative. And, again, I'm very happy that, again, one of the selling points was that lobbyists had this capability to do, as Keith has just uh, eloquently explained, the the linkage and identification of what's going on at the state level. It will now be up to the regional directors to reach across and communicate with the state associations. And as Dean had mentioned, you know this uh, this networking should uh, enhance the flow of information as well as the understanding of what's going on both at the federal level and at the state level. And I think what you're doing here, and I and, and I would like to just announce that you're going to be involving uh, legislation on a more proactive basis in your shows. Isn't that correct? That is correct. We're going to start having uh, a, a quarterly uh, update on it's legislative a, issues it, you know, on this and, show. And it's important that uh, practitioners, whether they're private investigators or security professionals, be aware of what is going on. As uh, our esteemed colleague, Katie McLean frequently uh, exhorts. Uh, we have to make sure that the government doesn't inadvertently put us out of business. And that's why it's so important for us to keep an eye on legislation that could have negative consequences, unintended consequences. And right. having somebody like lobby it in our corner is certainly going to ameliorate the risk that the stakeholders in the investigative world and in the security world are not going to have to, uh, you know, uh, deal with negative consequences. I agree, Tom, I agree. It is to have somebody at the Capitol with the, their, pul- their finger on the pulse of the Capitol, because I lobby its office is just a couple blocks actually from the uh, house buildings, that's critical because sometimes you need to have somebody that can get there like in five minutes. It's true. And the, uh, the rollout thus far has between uh, the retirement of uh, Larry Sabbath, our longtime advocate, and uh, lobby it uh, has been seamless. Uh, I'm very impressed with, uh, you know, having met the principals of the firm and having worked directly with Keith, uh, I was extremely impressed with his ability to get us into the, uh, you know, the Capitol building for a meeting with uh, a, you know, a luncheon speaker, a congressman, and uh, th- their awareness of our needs, their technical experience, is going to serve NCIS as well. And our job now as officers in the organization is to go out across the landscape and get the state associations on board, educate them. And, again, another role that we all need to play here, whether you're a practitioner in the investigative world or the security world, you have to become a lobbyist at your local level. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think sometimes people are intimidated, but, you know, they're just human beings. Our, our elected officials are just human beings, just like we are. And they appreciate hearing from us. They appreciate when you come, go to their office and talk to them, particularly at the state level. It's critical because so many times state issues become federal issues. Well, that's the truth. And, and again, you know, with my experience here in, in Massachusetts, I, I, I hope I'm not repeating myself, but I, I got involved with our legislative uh, committee back in 99, right after I retired as a local police chief. And I, I, I had, didn't realize, but I had been a lobbyist on behalf of the Chiefs Association, you know, going to our state senator and to our representative and, and asking for more training money for police chiefs and for local training. Well, when I became a private investigator, uh, people like Tom Jackson, who's the regional director for Region 2, uh, explained to me, you know, that, hey, you know, you know these people, uh, let's, let's go and let's, let, we're going to teach you what the issues are here. In 2000, I went to the East Coast Super Conference. I met Eddie McLean. Uh, who uh, really educated me about the federal issues. I got involved with his committee for seven years before becoming a regional director and, uh, you know, having a better awareness of the importance of keeping an eye on federal legislation as well as state legislation that could have, again, a negative, unintended consequence. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, elected officials are, you know, they don't, intentionally try to put us out of business but sometimes the way the bills are written uh there are the the consequences that we're talking about the unintended consequences that they didn't think about they don't know what we do and it's really up to us to educate people on that we're legitimate business people helping out particularly the court system the judicial system that's true and and again one of the other components here we talked about about we talk about the advocacy hub. Uh, LPDAM uh, used to have a lobbyist uh, back in the late 90s or early 2000s. Could you say uh, what that is, Tom, LPDAM? Licensed Private Detectives Association of Massachusetts. I'm sorry. Uh, I uh, am, have been involved with LPDAM since 99, past president. I think you've already mentioned that. And we had a lobbyist. We got rid of our lobbyist, and we changed that the, 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 the money into other areas. And what we did was we purchased for $4,500 a year a legislative tracking system. And, you know, right now LPDAM is taking a very close look at maybe giving up, you know, that, that uh, service that we have, relying on the service that lobbyist is now providing. There's no additional cost to uh, LPDAM, nor would there be to any other state association. This is a great benefit for each state association. And I think what we need to do is to, uh, again, we're going to sit back, we're going to look at this. We're very encouraged with what we see there. You know, the the bills that uh, are out there on the advocacy hub are, are what we're filing. I think if we are able to educate state association members how to use the particular tools that Keith alluded to early in his uh, uh, discussion, uh, we will all be, uh, you know, better uh, equipped and more empowered to monitor what's going on in our states, and and hopefully that some of the people that are state leaders are going to get involved with NCISS, become at-large directors, become regional directors, and then move through the chairs. So I see this as a really 
great uh, new uh, opportunity to reinvigorate and, and move forward. And, and again, that savings of $4,500, uh, we're going to take that money and we propose to use it to uh, enhance our education for professional development at, uh, at our level. That's great. That's, that sounds wonderful. And, you know, I, I have to say from being involved in legislation in California and also in the national level, you know, with, if you don't have somebody that's doing this for you, I mean, fortunately in California, there is a paid lobbyist for the California Association of Licensed Investigators, but had, did that not exist? I can't imagine trying to monitor and pick up all the bills that affect private investigators and private security in California. It would be a full-time, more than full-time job. So to, to provide this service for states that don't either have a lobbyist, which most states can't afford to, to do that, or, and, or even a volunteer that's willing to do this, it's just, to me, it's gold. It is gold. And, uh, again... Uh, the, the state association leaders have to recognize that uh, they are responsible for, you know, learning how to use these tools. Uh, Keith Nelson is our resource. Uh, we're not going to ask him to, you know, do our advocacy un- un- unless we, you know, need him to, you know, go and do something specifically. The monitoring, we need to, you know, encourage state associations to get on board. We need their presidents to come to hit the hill. They need to uh, hear. Hit the hill. Tell, say what hit the hill is. Hit the hill is uh, NCISS's uh, annual lobbying initiative where we go to Congress and we meet with our congressional representatives. And just as Keith Nelson had mentioned, you know, the personalizing of letters and, and, and believe that that was a, that was that could be an article that we put in PI magazine. Keith, I got to salute you for that because you really get into the nitty gritty. Well, what we do is we go and let's, as a, for instance, for in Massachusetts, I go to several congressional offices because uh, I worked as a, you know, a law enforcement professional in three different uh, parts of the state of Massachusetts. So I'm on a first name basis with uh, a number of our congressional members. We go in there and we sit and articulate our concerns about bills that uh, might uh, come up and, and be voted on that might have a negative impact on the way we do business, namely getting access to information and reminding members of Congress that we do have access right now. And, again, it's pointing out to them that there are unintended consequences of some of the legislation. Again, they're not deliberately out there trying to, uh, you know, push us aside. But uh, we have to remind them that as advocates for the truth, uh, working in the criminal justice system and in the civil system, we, in the, you know, private investigators as well as security operators, need access to information. Okay, this is a great time to take a break, guys. Let's there's more details to come. Don't go away. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declassified. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. My guests, Tom Shamshack and Dean Beers, both private investigators, and Keith Nelson. Nelson, lobbyists from Lobbyit are with me to announce a new direction. The National Council of Investigation and Security Services is taking their legislative program. Dean, you wanted to say something uh, based on what Tom just gave us. Yeah, Francie, thanks. Uh, yeah, Tom was talking about how important this is to Massachusetts because they can save uh, $4,500 on their lobbying. Uh, you know, again, this isn't anything that's costing NCISS a dime more any of its members, and it won't cost the state associations. I'm in Colorado where we have one vice president of legislative affairs and a small committee, but primarily uh, Ryan Johnston has been, you know, out there working, you know, on a daily basis. So this is going to be a tool that will make this a whole lot easier and with a lot less effort uh, to get that accomplished. Uh, And the other thing I wanted to add was that, as we remember, Tom mentioned Hit the Hill, which has been, a fantastic experience for me the last few years. Our Congress people often come from the state, their state legislatures moving up. And so there's often a still influence back and forth. And that's why it's important to sit down with them and communicate with them either in person or on the phone. Uh, for Wyoming, I sat down with Senator Barrasso and Senator Enzo um, and, you know, and, and got personally for about 20 minutes. And they want NCIS's legislative alerts now so that they could be aware of what's going on. So, this That's great. initiative is going to really be fantastic to help all that work out. That's great. I'm glad. To, I'm really glad to hear that. And and myself too. I visited uh, uh, Grace Napolitano, who is a congressman, congresswoman from California. She's not my legislator, but I met her at the state legislature, and I you know visit her when I go to Washington D.C. So it's nice to maintain those contacts. Absolutely. Thanks, Francie. So, uh, it's Keith, very important uh, to establish that linkage. It really is. I'm sorry. Say that again. I missed I said, that. I said it's very important to establish that linkage. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, it is 
it's really all about relationships and trust and, and knowing that, that you're, you're a legitimate business person. You know, you carry some weight when you educate people on what we actually do. We're not the sleazy people that uh, the general public sometimes thinks we are. We're really legitimate business people. So, Keith, you want to talk a little bit about what's a, what you see as an emerging uh, issue for private investigators? Well, on the federal level, the real kind of emerging issue is data privacy. Um, and it's, it's focusing mainly on data brokers, especially in the Senate uh, Commerce Committee. Uh, the chair and ranking there, uh, Rockefeller and Alexander, really are troubled by the way that a lot of these companies, larger companies, slice and dice data that's acquired through your online activities uh, and then sell it to people, uh, although that may not immediately implicate the interests of NCISS members, the way that they draft it and the way that it comes down would inadvertently fold NCISS folks into that and uh, prevent some of your activities because the access to data is one of the main ways that uh, NCISS members uh, do their jobs. Mm-hmm. I think a, a good demonstration of this is the uh, access to the death master file that was included in the budget agreement uh, that was driven primarily by uh, the desire to stop tax fraud, identity theft and tax fraud. So they limited, uh, the Department of Commerce is limiting, in the process of a rulemaking, uh, limiting access to folks using the death master file because uh, people are getting in there for nefarious purposes and filing uh, returns for people who had recently or had long been passed. So... Um, that's one of the issues where, um, you know, it's coming really from the left and from the right uh, in Congress. Uh, in in the, uh, the NSA revelations in Snowden didn't help that at all. So there is a real sensitivity on the Hill about who is looking at what types of personal information, mm-hmm. whether it's the government or whether it's these private firms. And they don't. They want to limit that. They don't want that to be, you know, have folks that have free reign in that. So, as these as these uh, initiatives develop, it's something that we need to keep a close eye on, and make sure that we don't inadvertently get folded in. And we could have a whole show on why that data is critical to uh, the work through the judicial system. But yeah, we can't. And- we don't have time to talk about that today. Um, so what about uh, private patrol operators and security guards, Keith? Is there an emerging trend there as well? Well, the, the one thing that uh, some legislation up there, our folks wanted to um, to federalize those uh, workforces in, in, the, in the federal office buildings because they're often uh, contracted out. In fact, I was on base uh, at Fort Myer the other day and was surprised to see the front gate was being worked not by U.S. military personnel, but by Wackenhut contractors. Really? Uh, yeah. So there's there's legislation to make sure that everybody who is providing security for federal facilities is essentially a federal employee, which would kind of wreak havoc with the way security service operators uh, conduct their business. Uh, we're watching that. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem like that was a great chance of success. Uh, but there are other other legislative things in play uh, in terms of uh, restrictions on firearms and so forth 
that need to be that need to be watched. But really, the the main thing is is access to and information. Yeah, and the, and the restrictions on firearms is really critical to security uh, professionals because they often are required to carry firearms when they're particularly with government contracts and and high uh, asset areas. Oh, that, and also um, the uh, the the move to restrict the use of of um, criminal background checks for prospective employees. Yes, that's a big, huge problem. <laughs> I don't think they've thought that one through, really. Yeah, that is a big, huge problem. And, you know, I, I think that often people that write bills about this issue believe that every person who files an application gets a criminal background check, and that actually is not true at all. It, it's not till somebody gets in the final stages that a criminal background check. So people are, people's jobs aren't being eliminated or their access to jobs aren't being eliminated because they're doing a criminal background check off the, off the top, which is what the argument is often. At least it is in California. Yeah, the, the EEOC has, has issued guidance on that uh, and it puts employers in a difficult spot because uh, they're not, you know, what, their, what EEOC is asking for is an individualized assessment as to whether this person's criminal background check is, you know, or criminal history uh, is relevant to the job that they're doing. And for security services, I don't know how you can make a distinction. I don't either. I Actually, for either one, I don't know how. For, for most businesses, I don't know how you can make the distinction uh, because... Then, if the company doesn't follow through and do a background check, criminal background check, and something happens, then they get a lawsuit for negligent yeah. hiring. So it's a, the employers are in a catch twenty two. Yeah, and, and the, what I, I guess close with from the federal side is there's a there are a couple axioms at the federal level, well, for government generally, but. In D.C., uh, it's axiomatic that if you are if you don't have a seat at the table, you're on the menu. Um, so it's, it's it's advisable and it's wise and it's it's commendable. Sorry, what NCISS is doing to bolster their federal presence and also keep an eye on what's happening with the states. Uh, and the other one is the uh, bill saw by uh, Mark Twain, which is no man's life, liberty, or property are safe while the legislature is in session. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is sad, but as as I as all of us have found it, it holds it's, it's true. So, and and your opinion, Keith, is that despite what's been going that we've been watching uh, at the federal level, there is still work getting done. Actually, yeah, gridlock in the legislature on the member level. Uh, while some of us might argue that it's a good thing. Um, it is, you know, at the staff level, work is still being done. They're still working on legislation. They're hashing things out. They're hashing details out and writing language at a staff level. And what will typically happen at the end of the session, uh, which you'll see coming up here in the not too distant future, is that they'll start passing stuff on unanimous consent, which is they just, they kind of grease the wheels ahead of time. They bring it up on the floor you know, a succession of bills, H.R. 157, blah, 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 and go down the list and say, you know, uh, bring it up and deem it as passed. Hearing no objection, you know, the bill is passed. So 
even with no kind of formal uh, public vote, with no with no floor vote, um, these things that are hashed out on the staff level um, move very quickly at the end of the session. So work is always being done, even though it looks like complete legislative paralysis. So it sounds to me like you can't impact a bill on the floor. It has to be done in the background. Yeah, if, you're, uh, if your strategy is an amendment, if you want to amend legislation, um, you can find members who are willing to introduce amendments, but the rule process is so restrictive that if, uh, if, you're, if anyone's amendment is going to cause any heartache uh, or if it's something they want to get done, you're, if you're trying to amend it on the floor, it's a very difficult thing to do. Interesting. And, and Keith, what do you have to say about, um, the, we often hear that people in Congress don't even actually read the bills, they just vote on them. What do you say about that? Have you ever read one of these bills? uh, (laughs) Well, they're pretty boring. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're impenetrable, Um, and they are. You know, it talks about U.S. such and such U.S. code line. You know, section whatever line whatever is amended by striking the following and adding the following words. You can't really. These are not things to sit down. You know, with a glass of cognac and read. Um, They are. It's all. It's all legislative language. So. Yes, members don't read this legislation. They get briefings from their staff, you know, who they trust, about what it contains and what the language does. Uh, and on a bill like, for instance, the Affordable Care Act, which was however many hundreds of pages long, there are very few people who know what altogether the bill contains and what we'll do. Um, so on major pieces of legislation, it's true that members have an understanding of, of of the policy that's driving it, but they won't know the ins and outs of the code, and they won't have read it. That's really scary. <laughs> Actually, that's very scary to think that the people that are uh, have our lives in their hands don't read what they're voting on. Yeah, well, that's, uh, you know, it's one of the, the aspects of, uh, for instance, term limits legislation. If you were to get rid of, if you were to, to uh, codify term limits, you end up placing much more power in the hands of staff who are familiar with these with the U.S. code and familiar with these changes, um, and then the members who are trying to do something productive and affect legislation have an even more difficult time. Uh, yeah. So you want to you want to be careful about how much power you concentrate in the hands of staff, and at the same time, you know by the same token, how much power you want to concentrate in the hands of federal regulators in the executive branch. Right. Well, we're at the end of our hour, guys. Thank you so much, Keith, Tom, and Dean, for joining the program. Let me just uh, close with this statement. Um, NCISS has been the voice of private investigators and security professionals in Washington, D.C. for over 38 years. And with the State Advocacy Hub, interested individuals and state associations, state trade associations, We'll be able to stay on top of restricted legislation just for the price of a membership. So if you're a private investigator or private patrol officer, or if you're a board member of the many state trade associations, NCISS welcomes your membership. You can join your voice with NCISS and participate in ensuing, um, ensuring that 
elected officials fully understand the work we do. So for details, go to www.nciss.org and under the membership link and sign up. Many thanks to the three... Our cadre of professionals, Tom, Dean, and Keith. We're sorry that James couldn't make it. That's it for today. Tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are going global.